they're like, okay, cool. You showed me how to go from my economic development strategy to a work plan in an hour. Bet I did it. Now what? Oh, okay. You showed me how to go from my work plan to a one pager. Bet I did it. Now what? And it's like, okay, cool. And now that's why we have people who are literally leading their area's economic development strategy for these grants because they listen to us and they follow directions. They understand the assignment. <laughs> and so it's it's really cool. Like I, what I can't get over is just there are opportunities like this and we just don't usually know about them until after they've happened, after the money's been spent and then we, we miss out. But now it's like, there's actually an opportunity to do something differently. So let's do it. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Guys, we have an incredible guest. Now, before I even introduce this guest, I need to tell you the backstory and how we got to this point. Look, I was on Clubhouse and I've been ranting and raving about, you know, the value in Clubhouse. I've heard this woman speak. Sean is literally what I would consider a walking library of information, a walking testimonial. The way she's changing the game and helping people that look like me, black people get this grant money and get to the bag in terms of getting funded, getting established and getting that credibility. I am literally blown away with what she's doing in inclusive data, literally over $9 million over $9 million in grant money. Guys, this is, this is one of those episodes, and I'm in, in all seriousness, this is one of those episodes where I want you to literally, if you're driving, that's one thing. But if you're not, get a pen and pad. It's note time, okay? Or your phone, it's time to take notes because you're gonna wish that you wrote some of these things down that Sean's gonna touch on today. And I picked her brain before and I feel like I've interviewed her before because of Clubhouse. But Sean Glaze, I really want to welcome you onto the podcast along with uh, Ayana Williams. I want to welcome both of you onto the St. Clair Speak Show podcast and give you a platform where you could literally talk about what you do and how you're changing lives. Literally, the floor is yours. Please give our audience a three to five minute introduction on your brand, your business, and of course, what brings you onto the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Awesome. Sounds good. Ah, yes. Thank you for having me here today. I'm so excited. Hi, y'all. I am Sean Glaze. I use they, them pronouns, and I am the chief consulting officer and founder of Inclusive Data. We are a consulting firm. And honestly, our main job is to get Black folks money, grant money in particular. And so, yeah, we're at well over 10 million in under a year that we've helped Black nonprofits and Black small businesses get in grants. And it is one of my favorite things to do. Um, a little bit about me, uh, I'm originally from Texas. Uh, so you're gonna hear y'all in this podcast, get ready. Um, I am currently here in Seattle uh, where people tend to know me for one of two things, either as the research co-lead of the world's largest black community led research project where we hired over a hundred black folks and paid them to dream and to take those dreams about what we need to thrive and turn them into a whole new way for our city to move literally millions of dollars, $28 million in the first year in the city and $10 million in the county. 
following black leadership <laughs> focused on black priorities. So either people know me um, for that here, or they know me as the um, founder of a company that has gotten over 10 million in under a year in grants for black nonprofits and black small businesses. I'm super excited to be here because I love talking to my community. We're going to talk about grants. We're going to talk about resources. We're going to talk about black liberation. I'm so excited for today. And I'm joined here by Ayana Williams, who is our social media genius. I found her on social media and I immediately knew that she needed to join our team and I didn't care what it took to get her there. <laughs> she is wonderful and she'll introduce herself. Go ahead, Ayana, take it away. Thank you, Sean, for introducing me. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is Ayana. I use she, her pronouns. And as you heard, I'm the social media manager for Inclusive Data. Um, I guess a little bit about me. I'm actually at college right now. Woo, I'm, I'm based in Virginia. So um, that is where that is me a little bit more. Um, for inclusive data, I mainly help with their content creation along with any type of social media reconnaissance for a different grant writing, which looks a little bit like just analyzing any type of keywords from these different founders and organizations on their social media profiles that you can introduce and add to your proposals when you um, apply to grants. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for introducing me, Sean. So let's dive into this because there's a lot to unpack. And I, I literally want to start where it all began. Sean, I need you to walk us through, how did you get to this point? How, like before the millions, right? how did you get to this point? What inspired you to literally take the initiative to be that threshold and say, all right, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to change the world. And I want to take my community with me. I love it. All right, fine. I'll give you my backstory. So y'all, I'm originally from Texas. Um, I am the oldest of five, um, so that's really fun. Actually, Inclusive Data has two of my siblings on it as well, um, so that's really fun to do that with them. Hmm. I always knew I was either going to be a scientist or a doctor growing up. I think some of that is community being like, you look like a smart kid, you're gonna be a doctor. And I was like, that's cool. Um, I was like, science is cool too. They're like, or a doctor, you know, <laughs> I was like, we're scientists. So uh, that was always um, something that was true. Um, I was a very, I was a great student, um, but I was also lucky to have at least, you know, a couple teachers that really believed in me and uh, really put me in spaces where I could be challenged and succeed. Um, so that was, uh, you know, mostly luck, honestly, because we know how it is. Like, it's not always that our brilliance is recognized. Actually, my preschool, my kindergarten teacher wanted to get me kicked out of school because she was convinced that I wasn't smart enough to be there. And she's like, this kid doesn't know their alphabet. Like, I'm kindergarten, y'all, right? But I did. So we had called a, um, while she was trying to kick me out, she called the principal and she called my mom. And she's like, this kid, da 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 da. And my mom's like, Sean, you know your alphabet? And I like started signing it and saying it at the same time. And then the teacher was like fired. And <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, there you go, boop. Uh, <laughs> and so for me, um, I, was, I was very good at school. Um, and when I was in undergrad, so I went to undergrad at UC Austin, um, I was really trying to make my decision. I was at the crossroads. Was I gonna go to med school or was I gonna go to grad school? 
Um, I knew then that what I really wanted was to understand how systems worked. I was really curious about how we understand how kids in particular come to understand like their place in life and what does that mean? Um, I had just done a research project with a professor there looking at how children understand race and gender. Um, it was at a time of a presidential election where, uh, you know, uh, Barack Obama was a candidate and not yet a president. So we were asking black kids, like, do you think, you know, Barack Obama could be president? Do you think you could be president? And getting all kinds of answers, like all kinds, everything from uh, he doesn't look like the people on the money. You have to look like the people on the money to be president um, to like, yeah, my mom said anything is possible. I can be president to just all of, like the full gamut. Um, and so that was a fun time to be doing research. And I like the bug bit me and I was like, I'm gonna do research. I'm gonna be a scientist. I'm out. Um, and then went to my master's program, which is in family therapy. My master's is in family therapy. Um, not because I wanted to be a therapist. If you can imagine, the, the school's just yeah, looking through the resumes of people, and it's like, I don't want to be a therapist. Uh, I want to change systems, and I understand that in order to do that, part of that is understanding how families work. Part of that is understanding how policy works, how culture works, and so if you will have me, I will uh, be delighted to bring that perspective and to focus on research, and they were like, bet and so <laughs> they took me in and uh for three years while doing my master's i would join research projects and i actually ended up joining this participatory action research project which is when you bring activism and research together and they have a baby that's participatory action research and i loved it we were looking at workforce diversity we're looking at women and black and brown people and the construction trades and we were saying hey this is messed up we see years year after year of all these policies that seem like they would solve the problem uh, and when you look at it that's not what the data shows why and so in that time that i was there we ended up changing local state and federal policy and the construction trades and i was like yeah this is it this is the kind of research I want to do all the time. I want to bring community together. I want us to be looking at a policy or something that affects our lives. And I want us to create something new. And so I did that for three years and then um, started my PhD program where I studied underneath someone who specialized in that kind of research. And um, there we looked at immigration policy uh, transnationally, so across different borders and really trying to understand uh, immigration policy, language, uh, language access, what people um, are allowed to dream and how to kind of flaunt that to create something else. Um, and that was really important work. And then after that, I would go on to do more research and research. So when I think about my background, I think a lot about research because it's one of my favorite things to do. And then I had the great privilege to train under some real bomb grant writers. And so my first apprenticeship under a grant writer was someone who'd won like millions upon millions of dollars. And I was talking to them about grants because I wanted to host a, uh, a grant for grad students. I was like, we, I was the treasurer of my um, university's grad student group. And uh, I was like, hey, we need, we need money. Like, you know, education's great, 
and we need resources to be able to do the work we want to do. And I'm convening, you know, a board and I'd love to have you, you know, speak and like maybe train some of us up on grants. And this professor was like, I mean, yeah, sure. Like I can train you, I can train other people. I can work with you to create curriculum. Um, we can do this. Grants are actually pretty easy once you know what you're doing. And I was like, okay, great. And so that happened to be the beginning of my um, learning about how the grant world works, about how you really can make something fairly repeatable that wins time and time again, and that most of grants is strategy and uh, really understanding um, who the players are. So learning how, and I think for you, you're in marketing. So I think some of this will be very familiar, but for people who don't, um, who don't have the opportunity to learn about marketing, it can feel like magic. I'm like, what? You mean you can take a five page paper and turn it into half a million dollars? And it's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can too. And so um, we train, I trained underneath this professor. We did uh, grant workshops. We did other kinds of education. And I would write grants for other teams and other professors. And it was just part of what I learned how to do as a researcher. And then, um, yeah, and then I didn't actually make that. What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David, St. Clair Speaks. And you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. My career, right? So I have finished up what I was doing, moved a few different times, eventually land in Seattle. Um, I would be a consultant for a research consultant for a few years. And then um, I became the city's data advisor. Um, uh, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and so when I think about the, the journey there, I think for many people, the pandemic and the social uprisings um, from last year uh, was a time for great reflection. Meanwhile, as soon as the pandemic hit, I knew that there would be a recovery and that there would be all of this money directed at our communities and that the funders didn't know how to talk to black people. They don't have any black friends. They don't know how to find us. And then we as a community weren't taught how to get grant money. Most people do not have that as like an experience going through school. And so we don't necessarily know who the players are. We don't know how to find them. We don't know how they find us, but we know we're gonna be missing out. If you talk to just regular, regular black people, they're gonna be like, funders do not care about us. They don't fund us. We are underfunded. And it's like, that's partially true, but also funders don't know who we are. So they like, they got no context. So they keep trying things that don't work. And so I'm watching this, right? The pandemic hits, I'm looking around, I'm calculating, right? I was like, okay, there's gonna be probably billions of dollars directed towards our community in like maybe like nine months or so. So this is March. So we have a little time. I need to think about where I wanna be to help people get to that. And then in May, I had decided early May uh, to go ahead and move forward and you know, start the process of, you know, did my LLC, all of that good stuff. And then late May, 
we have George Floyd, right? Horrific murder. And a lot of things started happening all at once, right? People start flooding the streets and uh, white folks got scared. <laughs> I'm just gonna name it. People in power got scared. And they were like, oh snap, like it's not just black people in the street, it's all kinds of people. Like this would be different if it were just black people, but we need to do something. We feel motivated to change. Also guilty in a way we've never felt before. This is awkward. Ah, oh, people are calling for accountability and like really changing the whole world. Ah, oh, crap, right? So governments, foundations, corporate, you see all of these claims and like, I'm gonna support black people. And I was like, all right. So I had my timeline, right? Where I had about six months left that I thought we would need before we would see these investments. But it became clear to me in June that that, no, like that was just gonna start immediately. And so two things happened in June. In June, um, I launched that research project I talked about um, where we brought over a hundred black folks together to dream and to create a whole new way of moving money uh, locally and regionally. Uh, so that kicked off in June with podcasts. And the second thing that happened in June, y'all. So, because I don't know, I guess I'm just a little extra. Mind you, I'm still the data advisor for my city. I'm the research director, you know, for the world's largest black community-led research project, kicking that off. And then I start the process of thinking more about how we as a company are going to connect black folks with resources. I didn't think it'd be grants at first, like surprisingly, I thought it would be contracting and market research and other things that are super important. <laughs> and if I could like highlight how important they are, I will, they're super important. Uh, being able to get money from the federal government for things you do or sell, that's important. Um, but by September, I had realized that now nah, man, it's grants. <laughs> Everybody needs money. Everybody, like there's uh, this predatory thing that was happening where people were being pushed into loans. Um, and so like the SBA had released their loans. I'm not saying their loans are predatory. What I'm saying is that uh, because of that focus on loans, 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 a lot of uh, black folks who were starting new businesses were getting pushed out of companies who were trying to make some kind of way thought that loans were the only way. And so by September, I was like, nah, man, it's grants. You don't have to pay it back. It could be a lot of money. It could be great. You could do your thing. Uh, so September, we started that and uh, we haven't looked back. Um, it was one of those things where uh, we hit 5 million before the end of 2020. And then we just kept going. And for most people, startups, right? Not, no 501c3. Uh, they're just, you know, getting started or they've been working for a while and it's like for volunteers um, or very close to it, operating budgets, you know, $0, $100, definitely under 100,000. And so we were just getting people like half a million and 400,000, you know, just like these significant awards that would allow them to actually get space, hire staff, pay themselves. Um, and we were doing it in a way that sort of broke what most people thought was true. Most people thought you have to be in business for a while to get a grant, false. You have to be a nonprofit to get a grant, false. <laughs> you have to be able to um, show that you've had this huge change in community to have even a shot, false. 
And so um, I think people didn't really start to listen to us though, like more broadly until we hit Clubhouse. And then Clubhouse, people were like, oh snap, like, yeah, tell me more, um, which is how we met. Um, and like my first Clubhouse room was just like, hey y'all, you can do it. It's possible and we can teach you. <laughs> so it's, that's essentially the, the journey along the way. Um, and I always, always think that, you know, there's so much abundance out there. And for a long time, we've been coerced into competition. We've been forced to like fight each other and like really feel like it's like this person or that person, or there can only be so many of us in a room. It's been super toxic. And the ripple effects is that we start to doubt ourselves and we doubt each other. And we don't really recognize our full power, our full brilliance. And so a big part of what we do, and I think Ayana does this really well with our social media as well, is we really show people that they can dream and that dreaming is necessary. Dreaming is required. It's not optional. Like you have to do that in order to really create the space that you need to tell your story. So with that said, I'll pass it back to you. Oh, I freaking love it. I freaking love it. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where do I go from there? Because you said something and it was going to be my next question, but you, you, you literally answered it. You mentioned, um, you know, you don't need a 501CE. Uh, you know, there are people that were getting that grant money and startups and things of that nature. I'm like, wait, you don't need that stuff. And this is what I'm talking about. Because like, as you mentioned on Clubhouse, if you never opened that room, we would not be here right now. And so when I heard that information and you mentioned grants.gov and you know, Ayana talked about this too with keywords. And that's something that you mentioned in the clubhouse room that really spoke to me. Because when I go on grants.gov, I'll be honest with you, I get confused. And I think I told you that when we first met, I get confused because I don't know where to go. And I'm like, oh, help me, please, help me, please. And I get really confused. But the way you broke it down and, and similar to what Ayana said with keyword search and, and looking for particular things, there's a lot, there's a lot of money that's been left on the table. But I, I still think that there's a lot of money on the table. You also touched on something, and I kind of been talking about this for a few months, guilt. There's been a lot of guilt going around. And funding uh, Black businesses and Black creators, it's really been a thing. So, you know, you're touching on a lot of points here. But I want to ask you, in terms of um, grants, because this, it's very similar to what you're talking about now is similar to the last two meetings that, uh, that I've had. I, you know, I've had a meeting about diversity and inclusion, then I had a meeting with someone else who's in the software space, who's looking to literally get access to money, to get these funds so he could actually con like continue to teach others on how to code, how to do the software, how to cloud, et cetera. So where do we go from here? Um, it might sound like a silly question, but um, if anyone's in that space, especially people that look like us, they have all of these genius ideas but they can't, they don't have the fund to back it up. They don't have the resources and information. How can, how can people like that get started? Great question. Uh, well, I have a bit of a plug for that, <laughs> which is we teach exactly how do you go from starter, beginner, you know, I just figured out grants was a word all the way to winner, winner. And uh, we call it Grant Slayer Academy. That's Grant Slayer Academy. I always say that too fast. And uh, it is written for Black folks in particular. So you see that when you see the, the materials for it, it's like 
everybody black, blackity black, black, you know, really focus on our community. Because honestly, if I just tell people the number, they're like, over 10 million a year, I'm sold. And it's like, no doubt, like everybody else comes trying to get this knowledge. And you know what, I get the, if I get the occasional people, that's fine, but I'm really focused on our community. It's like, we need to know how to do things. Like what Ayana does for the social media um, sleuthing, we call it, is really cool. And it's also very learnable. Um, being able to look at things like what hashtags does this funder follow? Uh, because I want my hashtags to match so they can find me. If I'm findable, I can be fundable. If your funder can't find you, you can't get paid, right? <laughs> and so um, things like that. Also understanding it's, it's more than just um, thinking about your social media and uh, as a way to you know, scream out to the void. It's a way of thinking about how do you make an irresistible package? Part of that is you have an optimized profile. Part of that is that you have um, the ability to speak with clarity about what you're about and why. Um, funders will Google you. <laughs> it will happen. They will be looking for more information to help them make a decision. And what I love about what Ayana brings to the table, especially as someone who's an expert in this field, is she can tell you how the Instagram that you have versus like the Facebook or the Twitter, you know, how to get that set up. And she can look to see across platforms for a funder, like here are the things that stand out, they're consistent across. Here are the things that um, they're talking about on their Twitter, perhaps some more recent events, you know, she can really help you understand um, how to use that information to get funding. And we work together to develop that. And it's been really cool to see her like, you know, take that and then just elevate it. And I think a lot of people do get overwhelmed initially. Like if I, when I talk to black folks and I'm like, hey, like, what do you think about going after a grant? A lot of times people are like, oh, maybe I heard about this Walmart grant. It's like, you know, $50 or $1,000. And uh, I'm like, why, why are we wasting our time talking about $50,000? What are you gonna do with $1,000? Tell me, what are you gonna do? You're gonna like pay like your phone bill for a couple of months? Like, like, is that really gonna help your business grow? I'm not like knocking the small grants, but when I think grants, small that means 10K, like 10K, like that was like barely worth your time to submit the application. Um, the ones that we're looking at 300,000 plus, like those are the ones that are actually gonna like support your business. But um, I think I mentioned this in the room. The thing is, if we're not taught, we don't know how to get them. So foundations, foundations usually have huge grants, right? But 90% of foundations don't have websites. And so 90% of websites, like 90% of foundations don't have websites, how are you gonna find them? Hmm? How are you gonna do it? A lot of people try Google. They don't have a website, Google's not gonna work. <laughs> Google needs websites. So I think that um, a lot of times when I think about how people can get started, where they go from here, you can spend three, four years of your life like cobbling together from this YouTube video and that YouTube video, how to do this and do that, which is you know, a choice that some people can make now um, because they have a better choice. Um, I think they should make that one, which is spend six weeks of time with us, like watching our pre-recorded videos, 
looking at our templates, using our Canva files, like doing what we do. And then spend six weeks of your time meeting with me and my team, me and Ayana and Lauren. And like, there's several of us who will literally meet with you once a week. You'll tell us where you're at and we'll tell you exactly what your next step is. I've had to talk so many people away from grants.gov because that website sucks. Like <laughs> it is overwhelming. It is often not helpful. And it's like, you go there and it's all just a jumble of spaghetti. And uh, I don't like spaghetti. I like getting cash, right? And so <laughs> I hate grants.gov for the reason of it being just not designed for us. You could tell, you go on that website, you're like, nobody black designed this. Mm -mm. Nobody black designed this website. I know this because one, it's boring. And two, like it really is not intuitive. Um, in order to search and get a grant on grants.gov, you actually have to know a bunch of secret steps that are like not spelled out on grants.gov when you land on it. You have to know that you need your DUNS number, right? That's going to help you uh, not just get grants for grants.gov, but also help you build your business credit. You're going to need to next get your SAM.gov, which is not only helpful for getting grants, but helpful for getting federal contracts. Uh, and then after that, you have to go and create a grants.gov profile. You're like, okay, that sounds pretty reasonable, except you also need this other thing that like is not explained very well called an eviz POC, which you're just like, what is that? I don't know why they called it that. It's literally E-V-I-Z space P-O-C. And it's not really described. And there's sort of like a weird thing you have to do with your password reset the whole thing is so hard, uh, unless you have someone that's like, don't worry, here's what's gonna be next. Do this, click that, go here, and you'll be fine. And so that's just the beginning of the whole like grants.gov nonsense. But the good news is like most of the grants that we get, you don't have to deal anything with grants.gov. Most of the grants that we get like are things that you don't have to do by yourself. Uh, you can collaborate with other businesses, you can collaborate with other nonprofits, you can collaborate with individuals, you can collaborate with universities, you can collaborate with governments, right? And so because of that, we are able to teach people, among many things, how to get grants without writing them. If you can get a grant without writing a grant, if you can get a grant without having to deal with all that grants.gov stuff, why not? And if you can get a grant that can help sustain your business for a year or more, why not? And once we kind of break it down for people like that, they start to think, oh man, maybe I could do this. Yeah, if I don't have to write the grant, yeah, that sounds good, right? <laughs> so um, next step, I think for people who are getting started, honestly tap into our class, meet with us, meet with our team, and uh, we'll get you right. And now if you wanna skip all that and spend years and miss out on all this grant money, and miss out on all this uh, COVID money, because COVID's another big money maker. Let's talk about that. COVID was a game changer. It kind of, at the very beginning, sort of made a lot of things clearer for people who had no idea. Um, it made it easier for us to see where our infrastructure worked and where it didn't. And it also sort of reset who could be a content producer, who could be a voice that people listen to. Um, COVID changed everything. You make a lot of good points. COVID definitely changed everything, everything. There is a lot of money out there. Um, 
as you mentioned, uh, grants.gov is one of those websites where, I don't know, I, I, I guess I get overworked with all the information. And like you said, it's like a big jumble of spaghetti. So it's like you have to untangle all of these resources and figure out you know, your best outsource and what works for you. So uh, of course, prior to me being informed about grants and all this money that's out there, um, I interviewed someone maybe almost a year ago and uh, you know, they're a nonprofit, they're in the mental health space. I wanted to know uh, what industry is really uh, poking out in terms of like, you know, you're seeing a lot of demand in terms of funding. Is it tech? Is it the mental health? What are you seeing? Absolutely, it's everything. Um, actually, let me tell you about, I don't know when this will air, but I'm gonna tell you about the biggest grant opportunity in our lifetime, probably, uh, which is right now. Uh, so at the time of recording, we are in September. Um, there is a huge grant that's out called the Build Back Better Regional Challenge Grant. It is a billion dollars. It requires collaborations and it will literally reshape our economy as we know it. The people who win this grant, not only will they win up to $100 million to like really design out and implement projects for the COVID recovery, um, but they'll also be setting sort of the roadmap for what future grants that are on economic development are going to go towards. So um, the winning strategy for this grant is to look at what your region's economic development strategy is. That's a very specific term, the comprehensive economic development strategy. Every area in the United States, so I'm just talking to US people right now, every area has what's called an economic development district, which is a, um, a body of people who spend at least once every five years planning out the economy and telling the federal government what it's gonna look like. If you don't know your area's comprehensive economic development strategy, which is a document they make, please read it because all future investments are gonna be funneled through that to some degree. Now, what's interesting to me is, and I've read about 20 different economic development strategies just as part of the work that I do, is that some areas like are very clear, like tech is the thing, agriculture is the thing, tourism is the thing. Um, all of them are required to have, um, do a SWOT analysis. So they go through the strengths, they go through the weaknesses, they go through the opportunities, they go through the threats of a particular region. And they use that information to say, here's what we think the future looks like. Most areas have had a new one since COVID started. So you can see where the government thinks it's gonna go. And then right now, our community can come and influence that. We can come and collaborate and we can say, sure, you might think it's tech, but like the specific things we need are workforce development programs for black folks. You could say that and you can put it in a proposal and it could get funded and then be how your region does the recovery. And there are opportunities like this a lot right now. And even if you miss this like first deadline, which is in October, there's still a chance to join collaborations after that. So in early 2022, when this thing is due, you can be one of the architects of our economy. <laughs> right now, it's a real thing. There's people like in your area who are probably already looking for black folks to join because it'll make their application stronger. And also if we come prepared with here's the roadmap, they're like, okay, cool. Well, we'll just, I guess, copy paste this into the proposal. Thanks for putting this together. 
And so we teach people how to do stuff like that. Um, and it's been interesting because I talk to black folks all the time and it takes like six, seven times telling a, a particular person that they can do this before they can like act on it. But once they do, they're like, there, they're like, okay, cool. You showed me how to go from my economic development strategy to a work plan in an hour. Bet I did it. Now what? Oh, okay. You showed me how to go from my work plan to a one pager. Bet I did it. Now what? And it's like, okay, cool. And now that's why we have people who are literally leading their area's economic development strategy for these grants because they listen to us and they follow directions. They understand the assignment. <laughs> and so it's it's really cool. Like I, what I can't get over is just there are opportunities like this and we just don't usually know about them until after they've happened, after the money's been spent and then we, we miss out. But now it's like, there's actually an opportunity to do something differently. So let's do it. All right, Sean. So my next question for you is this. Right now, of course, it's 2021. Where do you see the economy and uh, businesses and creators? Like, where do you see this going within the next three to five years? Do you see more people that look like us funded? Do you see more enterprises? Do you see, do you see another you in the future? Someone that, that, that wants to do exactly what you're doing and helping connect the dots? Oh my gosh, another me. I'm both like uh, excited and horrified at that prospect. I don't think another copy of me would uh, be exactly what we need. <laughs> we're a little intense, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I think, you know, Ayana and I were talking about this, um, about, you know, what our goals are, what our vision is. Um, and for me, the reason why I created Grand Slayer Academy is because what I see is these skills in the hands of like every black small business, every black family. I see youth writing grants for their favorite businesses, whether it's theirs or someone else's. I see uh, youth writing grants for their favorite nonprofits, whether it's theirs or someone else's. I see um, elders um, who are either thinking about retirement or have retired, um, you know, putting some pen to paper and really creating resources for their community. Um, I see all of us coming together to be part of the solution. And so that's why I created the class, honestly. It's like, man, if I could get over you know, $10 million in under a year with this exact formula, like following these steps, I know that other Black folks can too. Um, I'd love to share with you, if it's okay, um, some of the ideas that people are saying that can get funded literally right now um, if they wanted to. Uh, one idea, and I know that you and I have talked about this as well, um, and I've heard it from other people, is really to make better use of our existing spaces or to create a physical location where you can come in and like learn and support each other. Um, the biggest visions I hear are usually some version of let's create or repurpose a community center and let's have that community center be something that doesn't just have you know ways for us to meet but also has ways for us to have childcare on site, to have workforce training, to be a space where we can heal intergenerational trauma, to be a space where we train up on how to take care of ourselves because we know the existing um, criminal legal system does not work for us. <laughs> so how do we learn how to do conflict resolution? How do we learn how to uh, 
honestly heal. Healing's a big theme, I think, for 2021 and uh, a lot of Black communities is we are interested in breaking curses. We are interested in healing trauma. We are interested in um, really designing and living what Black liberation looks like. Um, we are interested in bringing together all the generations. So it's not, um, you know, elders over here, young folks over here, but that we're working together. And we know that because we are a community that loves to convene, that loves to tell stories, that loves to share space, that physical space, whether that's land or building, is necessary for carrying out that vision. And that grant I mentioned earlier, the Build Back Better Challenge Grant, has enough money where you could create that kind of space in your community. You could create a cultural hub that is also an economic, you know, a business accelerator that's also about um, teaching nonprofits how to be sustainable. A lot of times our nonprofits, we start out of passion, right? We're like, I wanna change the world, I'm gonna start a nonprofit, thinking that's the only way, which it's not, please don't start a nonprofit just because you have passion. Uh, <laughs> but like we go and we create these things and then we don't have the support to be able to keep them uh, long-term. And so we end up like paying out of pocket. A lot of businesses, a lot of nonprofits, people pay out of their pocket for like as long as they can, then they go broke and then they feel dejected and they go back to corporate and that sucks, right? And it creates these ripple effects in their families and their relationships and their communities. And so I, I hear a lot of people dreaming of creating a space. Um, I had to, as part of my life, uh, calculate how much it costs to do community center. Um, and I can tell you that, uh, I'm gonna use a Seattle example because that's where I'm at. Our most expensive community center by far, so far, um, has been a $100 million community center. And it took a while for our city to come up with the funds to, to make it, but they did. And it opened and it, people love it. Uh, and it's like nowhere near black people, uh, which I have all the feelings about, uh, but we could create a new one and we could create multiple ones actually. Uh, we have this project that we're doing in our city where we're going to be creating a, um, almost like a smaller community center that's gonna be focused on children and families and they have childcare, a school, you know, all of that's being built and created, but there's also an economic development component. So you don't, you don't have to be, you don't even have to be a parent or a caregiver. You can go, you get skill training and we will train ourselves, community, black folks, brown folks training each other. Um, we have a program that is born out of the research that is going to create an economic development um, center of sorts um, in the region where we train black and brown people to create free internet for each other. And there's a huge $268 million grant that's out there that can pay for that, can pay for the training, can pay for the hiring, can pay for the internet, can pay for the devices. And so depending on what y'all's dreams are, um, very likely, at least right now, there's money out there to do it. Um, I haven't encountered anyone yet that has come up with, you know, some business or some nonprofit that we haven't been able to find multiple grants for. Um, even things that you wouldn't normally expect. Like um, I talked to a menopause coach. I'm like, I'm a menopause coach. And I'm just like, I haven't met a menopause coach before. I was like, well, let's just do a quick search. And it's like, okay, there have been 10 people in the last year who have gotten grants to be a menopause coach. 
in particular and to help people as they transition through this part of their life. That's something that, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, there's no grants for that. There's grants for that. Um, I've had people like just all kinds of really cool ideas of how to support each other, how to grow community, how to make money. And, you know, it's, there's money out there. So I think when to, when I think about your question of just like, what do I see in terms of the economy? Uh, what do I see in terms of the future? My sincere hope is that there will be as quickly as possible while there's all this money out there a whole bunch of us going after these huge proposals, especially the ones that require collaboration and like bringing in our community, right? Come in, we're not gonna be the only one there. And really saying, well, here's the plan. I got, I came here with a plan and an agenda. Here's what it is, now go do it. And then having that be like the new direction we're moving. It's, a, it's an exciting time to be alive. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm getting fired up. You see, you know, I, I don't know. I am so, I am like, once this interview is done, you got me thinking about a lot of things now. And I'm like, yo, Sean, I want to pick your brain about so much. Can I get funded for this? Can I get funded for this? Can I get grant money for this? Because there's a checklist of things that I'm thinking about now. Even in our, definitely in our community, um, there's this whole stigma with mental health and, and seeking a professional and talking to a professional I'm pretty sure, and I maybe I don't know that there's grants that will fund you to see it there. And you're saying, go go ahead, Sean, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's grants for everything. There's grants for um, so there's several things with mental health. One is a lot of us want to talk to people who look like us because we don't want to have to explain what it means to be black, uh, myself included. Yes, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And so uh, a lot of uh, the therapists and the other kinds of healers, they don't get paid very much. Actually, many of them in our research, they will do sliding scale. So they'll uh, take a lower rate and that might be $10. You know, that might be $5. That might be $20. And so a lot of them are on food stamps because they can't really afford to, you know, anything else. And so what we see is that one, we can get grants to fund our healers. Two, we can get grants to fund group sessions like group therapy. Three, we can get grants to fund an individual person's healing. One of my favorite uh, things that have, uh, one of the favorite groups that we've helped support in some kind of way has been the Washington Therapy Fund. It's a black woman uh, who said, we need to fund our black healers. And she created a nonprofit. And basically they take in funds so that black people can get therapy for free. And there's a lot of people who've done stuff like this around the United States. So uh, she's not the only one, but we're in Washington. So I heard about her. And um, she recently got a half a million dollar grant. Uh, we worked with her on that one, uh, reviewing her budget, making some edits to the proposal, things like that. And, um, and then matching her with someone who can also help her as she refined um, her proposal. And it was beautiful seeing her announcement where she's just like, oh, I just got half a million dollars. <laughs> I can hire more staff and we can see more people for free. And this is, and it's that kind of thing that's really exciting. Um, honestly, there's so much money in, um, so when I think about specific disciplines, housing, there's a lot of money in housing. There's a lot of money in mental health. Um, anything that's related to recovery. Um, and mental health doesn't have to be 
therapists with licenses. It could be all kinds of like Afrocentric approaches to healing. There's money for that. Um, there's money for cultural workers, so artists and other kinds of cultural workers. Um, there's money for um, being able to launch and start businesses. Um, it's tough because you know uh, a lot of the federal dollars that people see are directed to businesses that have been around for a while, at least for the last two years. Um, but if you check out your business accelerators, especially your black business accelerators that are in the area, a lot of them have grant money that they have as part of their accelerator program. So you get to learn business skills, um, et cetera, and then like train up and then get funded. We're actually going to be doing Tacoma's Black Business Accelerator. So if you're in Pierce County, Washington, um, they have several uh, instructors who are going to be helping support and then we get our own track just like to teach black folks how to get grants like we can. And I can't wait, I can't wait. So literally any idea that you have, you know, um, is out there, it is out there. And then, uh, oh, you know what else people don't know? You can get money to get land, you can get money to get buildings, like you can get money to build your capacity. So to learn how to incorporate properly, uh, you know, whether that's an LLC or a 501c3 or, you know, whatever your status is, you can get money for that. They're called capacity building funds. And there's a lot of them out there. And so all the conventional, like the old rules about grants, about you have to be, you know, established for however long, like just like everything is different now. And it'll be different for some time because it takes foundations a while to change the rules. It takes governments way longer to change the rules usually. So what, what we're gonna see is that we have this window of opportunity. Um, now's the best time before they start trying to change it all back. Now's the best time. But if you like just need a little bit of encouragement, um, I definitely would recommend before the end of this year, before 2021, uh, to really make this a priority. And if you can't do it, get your family in there, right? Like get your supporters, get somebody in there so that you have your foot in the door um, so that you can achieve success. Or definitely connect with you because you're, you're, you are yourself, your team. You literally are the team, the dream team to connect with when looking for grants, because I'm not, one thing I'm not going to do anymore is go on grants.gov and confuse myself. We were not created yes. to be confused. So to work with you, to skip that learning curve, to get directly to the bag, to get the grants, to change lives, that this is exactly why I wanted you on the podcast, because we, we literally need to hear this. We need to know that it's possible. And um, seeing you do it on this scale, like, I'll be honest with you, it's inspiring. It's inspiring knowing that, hey, oh, it's possible, right? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of special creators out there, especially Black creators that the only thing that they lack is the funds. The only thing that they lack is the capital. You give, you give some people $100,000, $500,000, just imagine what they will do. They can potentially change the world and you, you're helping piece all of that together and you're a blessing. And that's why I said, like, you're a walking testimonial, like you're, you're an angel, right? But that's literally what you're doing. And some people were literally called to life to literally lead and be that messenger. And I personally feel like you're one of them. So again, like when I hear you speak, I, I just sit here, I take notes and it's like, man, it's like, and to unpack that, knowing like, okay, like, yo, I could do this. I just need to get connected with, with Sean and, and, and the Slayer Academy and, and pretty much just 
get all this information together and just go get this money. A lot of people are limited because of resources and information. They don't know who you are. They don't know you. And um, when I heard you speak on Clubhouse, again, you, you hear a lot of people on Clubhouse talk about various different topics, but hearing you break it down, I'm like, yep, this sister knows what she's talking about. She's who I need to connect with. I need you on the podcast. I need to give you this platform. Um, you know, what you're doing, again, it's life-changing. So I definitely want to say, you know, thank you, uh, Ayana, as well, for coming on the podcast. And another thing I definitely didn't mention, and I'm pretty sure that there's grants for marketing as well. So you touched on a lot. I'm so, so grateful. I love podcasting for this because like, this is literally like my, my, like, this is like, this was like a coaching session for me. It felt like just learning so much and just, ah, Sean, I'm so grateful. Now in closing, please, please, if there's anything that you want the listeners and the audience to take away from this episode, what is it? What do you want people to take away from this? I think there's so many things. Um, so I'm thinking about marketing and I'm thinking about podcasting and I'm thinking about um, how accessible uh, you make everything. And I'm thinking about that. Uh, sometimes when you're really good at something, people feel like it's you're so good at it because like you're brilliant. Like you're an amazing person. You're an amazing speaker. You have all these skills, which is true. Like, I think a lot of us, we have the skills. We, uh, you know, it's like, I think there's a gift element, but I guess what I want to want people to uh, take away is just like so much of this is mindset. So much of this. Um, I was talking to Ayana about this often because we create content, we talk to people and what we see is like people that like kind of get in their own way. Um, even for myself, last year, April, before I had started my company, when I was thinking about what was possible, this, I'm the same person, right? Uh, April of last year, I really thought that the thing that I wanted to do was maybe five years out. I was like, you know, I was like this, it'd be so cool to like pull black folks together and to create like a project that could change policy. We're probably like five years away from that, um, maybe, maybe longer. And the moment I saw that it was possible and that we could actually pull it off became the moment that this project, the Black Women's Research Project was born. Like the moment, all I, like, all I did was just like, wait, what if we do it now? It's like, is what set everything in motion. Same thing for my company. Like initially the first few months, I was like, we're gonna do contracts and market research. We're gonna give people the tools they need. Um, you know, this is what's gonna work. And, uh, but the moment I realized that it was grants that was gonna actually support our community, game over. It's like, then I could be like, oh, okay, immediately put it to action. And so I think if there's one takeaway, people are feeling inspired and excited but are doubting themselves, stop. <laughs> Don't let white supremacy win. Just stop, like really start aligning our, if we really start aligning ourselves with black liberation, with what we need, once we start to really put our energy towards, yes, I can achieve that, my community can achieve it. I don't have to know the answers to everything. I just need to trust that my community can get me there. That's the moment where we can start to really create change. So I think that for me is what I'm really encouraging people to take away from this conversation. 
<sighs> inspired is an understatement. Uh, please, Sean, please uh, let us know. Shout out to your social media. Let us know where can we follow you, your websites, and stay up to date. Also, if you're doing these clubhouse rooms daily, let us know your schedule so we could get more of you, please. I'm going to pass this to our social media manager. She's in charge of all that stuff. Ayana, <laughs> tell them out. where Let's to find go. us. All right, so our main accounts are Instagram and Facebook. That's at Inclusive Data, along with Clubhouse. That's also at Inclusive Data. You can also find us on LinkedIn, same ad, and Twitter. Um, but we also have a Facebook group for Black nonprofits called Black Nonprofits Deserve Grants Too. We are constantly plugging all different types of resources and tips and tricks and going live. It is free. Please check it out when you can. Um, and I believe those are the main ones. Did I miss any, Sean? I completely forgot about that Facebook group. That Facebook group is lit. <laughs> Because we also have businesses that are in there too. And it's been really cool to be able to do that because y'all, if our nonprofits and our businesses collaborate, it's like game over. That's what we saw this last year is that especially like that strategy, one of the strategies is to develop really good partnerships and a black owned business and a black nonprofit match made in heaven. So yeah, definitely tap into that Facebook group. I forgot. It is called Black Nonprofits Deserve Grants Too. Please answer the required questions. Like y'all, one of the required questions is are you black? If you skip that question, you are not getting the group. I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna put it out there. Please answer the questions. <laughs> you know, one, one, thing I, one thing I noticed about you, Sean, and I've heard you speak so many different times, is like, you keep it 100. You keep it 100 and I, and I, I really honor that. And I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, spending your time on the podcast. If there's one thing I'm definitely going to do, this is more than likely going to be the next episode that's going to be released. And I'm going to release this one as soon as I can and get on the editing today because the importance and the timing in this, there's probably a grant that's going to inspire, expire in the next 48 hours. We don't know, but this is why I got to push this episode. And this is why listeners need to listen. Now, guys, I want to thank you for streaming and listening to this episode of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Don't forget, you could watch this full-on in interview from start to finish on YouTube. You could stream this episode, streaming on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Republic, and Breaker. Like always, like I always say, it's that time. I'll see you guys in the next one. But I want to end off on this note. What good is information if you don't apply it? I had Sean come on this podcast and give you so much resources. And if you don't use that information, it's your fault. But I want you to go out there and apply this information and go out there and be great. I'll see you guys in the next one. I'm out. Peace.